And we're going to look at some verses here this evening that, you know, you would, uh, you would think <clears throat> that you're just looking at these things and you would think, man, what a great verse and, and what a takeoff verse that you could preach about a lot of things. Um, but I want to look at something tonight in uh, verse number 21, verse number 21, and uh, I want to look at um, this ending of chapter number 11. <clears throat> and you can see here where out, obviously Joshua uh, had been sent as a commander in his army and the people of Israel to go and make war and utterly destroy everybody that lived in that land around Canaan. And uh, he was to take care of all the Hivites and the, the, uh, all the other ites that were there in that area. Verse number 21 said, And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none left of the Anakims, left, there was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, or Gaza as they say on the news, Gaza in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And here the Bible said, and the land rested from war. And uh, you know, you read that text and you say, man, praise God, what a time that the land is resting from war because there's been a whole lot of killing going on and a whole lot of wars. And somebody said war starts when the peace is interrupted and ends when it is restored. And a lot of times it is right to go to war. You've got to stop dictators. I, I thought about how that uh, obviously the uh, Allied forces came against uh, Mussolini and Hitler and they had to be stopped, those evil dictators. And you think about Mao Zedong and Muammar Gaddafi and some of these men that American and the American forces and our allies have got together to take out. And those dictators are just an example where it is right sometimes to go to war. The Bible said in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal. And so there is a time to go to war. And there are times when God commanded the people of God uh, to take out a whole group of people, to take their lives, uh, false prophets and idolaters. That, of course, is what the Old Testament tells us. There's times when God was a commander-in-chief in war. And that's what's happened in the book of Joshua. As a matter of fact, the book of Exodus and chapter 15, verse Three said the Lord is a man of war and uh, he's someone that you don't want to get on your bad side I'll tell you that he is a man of war the Bible says and uh, you and I as Christians we are at war not necessarily like they were obviously in the book of Joshua we're in a spiritual war and we can identify the enemy and we cannot negotiate with the enemy and we cannot strike a deal with our adversary we cannot strike a deal uh, with the, the adversary's people with the adversary's ways of doing things and so that's kind of what happened here and you read this text and the land rested from war and you think about man what a great time and I guess that's why people think that Canaan might be a picture of heaven because they're resting from their war but really what happened here is Joshua let up a little bit and uh, he stopped short of victory and uh, man I, if you first read this you don't really even pick up on that you thought man it's time to lay down a little bit and take it easy and because we've been 
fighting one battle after another and we've been going against things uh, one after another. And as great a leader that Joshua has been, he failed in bringing Israel into full victory. When you read this, you look at the fact that at the time Joshua cut off the Anakims from the mountains, but then the Bible says this, there was none left of the Anakims in the land of uh, Israel only in Gezer or Gaza, in Gath and in Ashdod there remain. And you wonder why did he stop short of victory? Why did he not just go ahead and take them out? You know, you look at this and you look at uh, what Joshua did and as great as a leader that he was, he made a mistake because he did not follow through with correcting certain areas that should have been taken care of geographically. He did not take out these people that were the enemies of God. And I wonder how many things that we allow in our life. We've got most things right in our life and we boast and we brag about a well one. You know, I mean, I may not be as good as this guy, but I'm a whole lot better than that guy. And we begin to compare one to another and say, you know, I've got just about everything right. Well, I tell you this, those little things that we don't work on and those little besetting sins will be the very things that take us out. And I'm amazed about this because Joshua was one of the 12 spies. The Bible said in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 31, when the 12 spies went in to view out the promised land, Numbers 13, 31, he said, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight. They were referring here, when they're talking about that, they're, they're referring to the Anakims. And the Bible said here, there was none left of the Anakims in the land of the children of Israel except Gaza and Gath and in Ashdod. Why did he let this area live? He had already been in there and he could have annihilated him and he could have took them out. Why did he allow these people to remain? And I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. I wonder why does he stop short of victory? But I wonder for us tonight, why would we stop short of victory when we have everything we need in the person of Jesus Christ? Why would we not go on with God? Why would we settle for second best? I tell you one thing God will not do. He will not settle for being second best in your life. We achieve victory in almost all of our areas, but I believe it's the little things that will hinder us from going on with God because Joshua led up, uh, these places were sources of of many of Israel's battles from here on out because he did not take out the enemy because Joshua led up. And I'm telling you, I'm being very transparent with you tonight. Sometimes I battle uh, with the fact that I just don't want to just get up and I mean just tear up Jack, whoever he is. He's been tore up a lot. Uh, but I don't want to just get up and tear up Jack every service. I really don't. I want to be, and I, I know this word's abuse sometimes, I do want to be balanced. I want to have a balanced ministry. I don't want to come in with a hobby horse and I don't want to come in with a burr under my saddle every single time and, and sometimes you know I'm like well you know I've been pretty hard here the last two or three times and then God will just give me something else but I'm telling you this I'm not going to let up and I don't want to let up let me put it to you that way I don't want to let up because there's too many illustrations in the Bible where great men a whole lot greater than I'll ever be in my life let up and a whole lot greater people that just you know quit kind of towing the line and, and just say well you know don't harp on so much stuff and you know you don't have to be so me 
mean and belligerent about that. Hey, I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard to preach against sin with a smile on your face and cutting up and just get up and say sin's bad. And you know, I mean, sometimes it's gonna take getting rough and getting pointed about some things because I want us as a church body to have total victory and you're not gonna get that if you don't stand against the wages of sin, the ways of sin, and the ways of Satan. You're not gonna get that and you will come short of victory and that's what happened. And I think about this. I thought about this tonight. I am sure am glad there's a lot of things that I don't have to contend with and I don't have to battle in this church because I had a man of God that, that was my man of God but when I got saved, I mean, he got up and he preached. I've never had to worry about somebody getting up in the choir with a pair of pants on unless they was a man. I mean, that's, that's never been really anything that I've, that I've had to contend with. They, there's been a lot of things I don't have to battle because somebody battled before me. Somebody stood that stood in the gap and somebody did what they were supposed to do and went out for total victory. And that's really what Joshua should have done in his life. And these inhabitants of these cities wreaked havoc and terror because Joshua did not deal with every single one of the issues. Now I want to look at these places and these individuals that he did not deal with and how it ended up coming back to haunt him. First of all, the Bible said this, only in Gaza. And so he left some people there in Gaza. And Gaza is a place of defeat or a place of failure. This is the very place. It's still in the news today. Now they call it the Gaza Strip and it's in the news all the time. You can read about it, hear about it. They talk about the Gaza Strip. And what that's it, that's a portion of land over there. It's ruled by the Palestinian militant group called the Hamas. When you hear that, they run that area. They run that Gaza, or for the, it's Gaza in the Bible, but they call it the Gaza Strip. And that's, I mean, there's been battles going on. These battles going on right now in the Gaza Strip for Gaza Strip with the Hamas. And I mean, they're trying and they're battling the people. They're battling Israel. They're fighting with Israel. And you can see this. They fought with Israel. They've been fighting with them all the way back in the Old Testament. And they're still fighting today because one man did not go in all-out victory. He did not go out in get-or-done mode. He did not say, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're not striking a deal. We're taking every single one of them out. And we're not going to negotiate with any of our enemies. You think about this. Here they are, and uh, he's, he's got an opportunity to take them out. Uh, but it was here in Gaza that uh, Gaza that Samson. This is where Samson ripped the gates off the wall. I mean, this is where he came into that walled city, ripped down the gates and carried the gates probably about 20 miles away. It happened in this place. It happened to Samson. You say, well, Brother Andy, that's pretty good. Well, let's read about Samson and see how that ended up uh, with he being there in Gaza. The Bible said in Judges 16 and verse one, it said, then when Samson to Gaza and saw there in Harlot and went in unto her and it was told the, Ge the Gazite saying, Samson has come hither and they come passed him and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying in the morning when it is day we shall kill him and Samson laid till midnight and arose at midnight took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron and uh, it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah that's exactly where Delilah was she was in this very place 
place, this very place that should have never been, uh, had not Joshua went ahead and just got everybody took care of. Uh, another time, you think about this great man of Samson, that he took a lion by his beard, amen? I mean, listen, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If the lion had shaved, he'd still be with us, amen? One preacher said that one time. I thought that was funny. Uh, but he, uh, he grabbed him by the beard, took out the uh, lion uh, with his bare, I'm talking about with his bare hands. With his bare hands. I'm not talking about some, I, I don't know what Samson looked like. I don't know if he had kind of put together, you know, like some of us. I don't know if, if he was like that or not. I mean, he may have one stripe on his pajamas, but I'm just telling you, when God got on him, he was a great man and used greatly. He caught, I don't know how many, fo- 300 foxes and caught them by the tail, set them on fire, turned them loose in somebody in the Philistines' barley field and set their barley field on fire. I mean, I'm talking about a man that was used greatly, but sin got in his his life and he would have never ended up down there at Delilah's beauty shop had they not been, had, had jo- Joshua went ahead and took out the enemy. I tell you, that's what we need to do. And that's that not just the preacher's uh, responsibility. That's not just the pastor's job. It is everybody's job in this building to fight sin tooth and toenail and to stand up against it and do not let any enemy conquer your life. You don't have to. You have Jesus Christ as your conqueror. You think about how Samson's story began with a miraculous birth to a barren mother and ends with his death in the Philistine temple. And these people were worshiping there in that temple. And I've heard people try to, to turn Samson into a hero. I think about how he could have went down as probably the greatest judge that Israel had ever known. And in the nation of Israel, he went down in disgrace instead. I mean, he didn't have to die a premature death. He could have done more for God. I mean, God had blessed him and God had helped him, but he got too big for his britches and he got lifted up in pride. But the real thing is he went down there and he negotiated there in Gaza and Delilah began to entice him. Well, tell me where your strength's at. And he began to cut up at first, you know, using these riddles like you did, but I'm telling you she got him at a weak point, he told where his strength was at, and that's how they took him out, and he ended up losing his eyes, losing his sight, and he was down there grinding in the mill, and the Bible said they were making sport of him, they were making fun of him. I'm talking about a man that died in disgrace, a man that died embarrassed, and a guy that died premature simply because one man did not do all that God told him to do. That's how, is it imp- how important it is to go all the way with God. Then you have Gath. He mentions another one, and that, of course, is a place where Goliath was raised. And so you think about this. Here is Samson taken out by Delilah, taken out by a woman but then you have a place where Goliath was. Now, I know this is the great text where David, the great giant killer, and I, I appreciate that, that there was a David in the crowd. But the Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and verse number 20, it said, and David rose up early in the morning. That got some people right there. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistines of Gath, 
Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. Now thank God for David. Thank God for somebody to say, you know what? I done took out a lion, I took out a bear. It's not for me to take out a dog because that's what that's what Goliath actually says to my dog. But you know, David took care of the man, but what about all of the other men in Israel that were there that were facing fear down in that valley of Elah? What about these men that had to be dominated and intimidated by this giant that should have never been there? They should have never been a Goliath. They would not have been a Goliath had Joshua just not come up short in his victory. Amen. So here is Goliath, and he's bringing fear into the people of God. I tell you, fear can dominate you. And fear, every one of us, I mean, we're afraid of something. Fear has been in human existence since the fall of man. Genesis chapter number three and verse nine said, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so there is a, he, had, he was afraid. And I tell you, we all are wired up. That fear is inside of us after the fall. That is just something that more people are more prone to be afraid than others. But I'm telling you, in this text, when he goes down into Gath, when David has to show up and rescue the vast majority, 99% of the people are scared to death. And they're down in that area because this man, this giant, is bringing out that fear in their life. And listen, I, I tell you, fear will dominate you. And a lot of people get afraid. They say, well, you know, I don't want to do something because if I, if I start out doing something, I'm going to fail or there's nobody going to listen to me or uh, I, I'm going to have to go through a trial if I go all the way with God or maybe I, I don't want to get obligated. You know, it, you think about this, the fear would not have manifested itself in the life of these Israelites had this man Goliath and his ancestors, his forefathers had been taken out by Joshua. I wonder how many fears that we have in our life that we just let go on and on and on. We don't deal with them because we don't allow our faith to overcome our fears. The Bible said in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment, and it does. I tell you, these Israelite men, I mean, listen, I, I'm talking about these men were pretty tough. But they all quaked in fear because of a man that should have never been there. I wonder how many churches have gone through trouble and have gone through problems because they did not deal with issues and they did not deal with things. I, and, and not let's go further than that. I tell you, I think we got a great church and I thank God for the church that we have. But not just as a church, what about individually? Because as we go individually, that's how the church is gonna go. Dealing with things in our life, whether it's fears, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it is. And letting those things go on and on and on. And if you don't watch it, they'll grow up and they'll be a giant in your life. Amen. And that, Joshua should have took care of that and he should have took them out. Then lastly tonight, Ashdod. Ashdod. So if you see this place, that there was a place there where you have Samson facing Delilah. Then you have the soldiers facing defiance. Here, you have the saints facing defilement in Ashdod. Now, if you read in 1 Samuel in chapter number 5, 
The Bible speaks about, and uh, I don't have time to preach all of this, but in 2 Samuel in chapter number 5, the Bible talks about how that David was there and, and he was reigning and he was, uh, facing, he was facing the people and uh, trying to do something and trying to take out the Philistines and the Philistines were overcoming them. And the Bible said in, I, I, I meant 1 Samuel chapter 5, the Bible said, and the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. Everybody knows what Ebenezer is. Ebenezer is that place. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. It was a place of memory. It was a place where they remembered God had come through for them. But now here's what happens. They get lifted up with pride and you've got a lot of casualties. You've got a lot of people that lose their lives leading up to this place. And there's a whole lot of strange things that happen in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5 and 6 and through there. But Ashdod, it was the seat of idolatrous worship. They worship the God called Dagon. That's, of course, God with a little g. And the Dagon, was a, he, was a, uh, he was a fertility god. That really came from, uh, came from Babylon. And so that's where they have uh, erected this. The Philistines have erected this god, Dagon, and it was in this place, Ashdod, that should have never been there. I mean, it was a place of idolatry. And you know, it has been said that these cities, these places, these people, that it had been said, I read where someone said that it would just took a handful of people, just a very small amount of people could have went in and could have taken out these three cities. These three entities could have taken them out with just a small red of individuals if they did it God's way. God forbid what happened today, I would happen again. But it wouldn't have took many of them to take them out. Why did he stop short of all that God had for him and for them? I ask that question now. Why would we stop short? Why would we not want all that God has for us? Why would we stop short of victory when we can have everything that we need and we do have it in the Lord Jesus Christ? It was a place, it was a fertility God. And so here they are, and they're down there worshiping Dagon. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter number 4, the Philistines had Israel surrounded, and they would defeat them, and they captured the ark of God. And the people of God thought, you know what? Well, we can live like any way we want to live, do whatever we want to do. God's on our side. We got the ark. The ark had become nothing more to them than just a trinket. They just thought, well, you know, it's, it's just guaranteed. We got the ark. I think everything will be all right. It don't work that way. I tell you what, we, we're not going to have the blessings of God. I, I'm not going to have it in my life. You're not going to have it in yours. We're not going to have it in this church. If we just allow, well, you know, I can live like I want to live, talk like I want to talk, do like I want to do. God's on our side. Let me bring it to home. Well, God's here. You know, God manifests himself. God's blessing our services. I'm telling you, I thank God for it, amen. But as quickly as God come, come in and, and helped us and ministered to us, I tell you, he can be standing outside knocking because we won't let him in because we get too busy or we get our things in our life and little trinkets and we get the gods of this world and they're standing in the way of us doing something for God. I think what's happening is a lot of folks just started enjoying the things of this world like we're already in the millennial reign or something. I mean, you know, we're, we're like, buddy, I'll tell you what, God's been good, God's blessed us and God's helped us and, you know, we'll give him a little bit of our time or We'll give them a little bit of our tithes or we'll give them a little bit of our talent. I tell you what, we're, we're not home yet. I mean, this world is not our home. And we're not, we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
And I, 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 I don't know how many battles is coming up, but there's some more coming. You mark that down. If you think that, that the wars are over, I mean, geographically, physically, or spiritually, the war is not over. I mean, I, I, mean, I understand that at the end of the day, we, we win the war. But I'm telling you what, the Bible talks about warring a good warfare and not being tangled with the things of this world. I, I mean, listen, thank God there's going to be a day where it's all over with and there's going to come a day when the war will be over. But if we're hoping for a war, if we're hoping for a world without wars, that's not going to happen until Jesus comes. I mean, it's not going to happen. I don't know how long they've been. I mean, the Ukrainians and the Russians, that's been going on seven, eight months, something like that. But that battle between that area, I mean, it's, they've been fighting for years and years and years. And Jesus talked about that. There's going to be wars, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. There's going to be wars. There's going to be nations rise up against nation. And I'm telling you, bless you, I'm telling you, thank God that we have Jesus tonight that'll help us in our battles, help us through our wars. Thank God the battle is just about over. And I, I tell you, I, I just don't, man, I don't like fighting the battles, but by the grace of God, we need to fight them. Because if we don't fight them, they're going to overtake us. And we'll end up just like Joshua, a great leader, appointed of God. But he led up. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he's just tired of fighting. But he let those three small entities, he just kind of left them alone. He didn't destroy them. He, he destroyed them all except these three. And they ended up coming back and being a nemesis, still are a nemesis to the nation of Israel today. Amen. Let's do not settle for anything other than total victory. Amen. All right. Let's everybody stand tonight. You may